Welcome to the Visible Coaches podcast. I'm Angela Durant and you'll meet Anka Herman a little later. Between us, we have 30 years of business experience. We've started and grown our businesses from nothing but an idea, learning to play to our strengths as introverts in what often feels like an extrovert world. If you have ever felt any resistance to how others tell you you have to market yourself or bear your soul on social media just to get clients, then this podcast is for you. We know the unique challenges that introverted coaches face when it comes to selling their services. So if you're ready to learn how to spot those golden opportunities right under your nose, clarify your message, nurture that market and get more business coming your way, all without sacrificing your energy levels or well-being, then plug your AirPods in and let's go. Well, welcome to the Visible Coaches podcast with Angela and Anka. How do you embrace failure? Do you try and avoid it at all costs? Are you one of the people that doesn't mind it because you see it is necessary to your success? Well, today we are going to talk about what I believe is three important failures that you need to have if you are going to learn to grow any successful venture or business. So hang on a minute, Angela. What do you mean you have to fail in order to build a business? Really? Is that something, you know, isn't, aren't we supposed to be putting everything in the right order and the right pl place and the right steps in order to, to build? Well, so people would have you believe, but I am sorry to say you will not grow personally and your business will not grow better and you will not serve customers better unless you have these distinct failures. So let's talk about them and uh, I'll give you them and then we'll dive into each one. So the first one is you need to have a client complaint. Mm, okay. The second one, or maybe even in the different order of this, doesn't really matter, is you need to be able to put things out and then they don't sell. And the third one is you need to overwhelm yourself to the point that you just can't operate unless you grow past that overwhelm problem. And those are three failures that I see that can sabotage us in either starting or growing any venture. So where do you want to start, Anka, with, with one? Of, <laughs> we'll take the first one. Well, I want to just say that in my world, failure, it doesn't exist. There is no such thing. Like in my world, there's literally, when you feel there's a failure, it's just the signal that you've picked a lousy spot on the journey to stop and draw a conclusion because each one of these like that you mentioned and you know i'd be curious to hear if listeners if you have other examples or other things that you thought oh you know in hindsight was the biggest gift uh yeah shoot us a message let us know because they're all learning experiences and sometimes I mean, you know, we've all had like parents tell you stuff like, don't do this, be careful, whatever, you know, and you go, you're warned of stuff. And when did you really learn it? When you actually put your foot in and you actually had it happen. I think it's just really doing something that doesn't work out as planned is really like, you know, the intensive, intensive version of like, it's your learning boot camp. It's like, that's when stuff really sinks in. And that's when you get clear and if we kind of look at the first one, you know, a client complained, like for me, there's like this nightmare client, even if they don't complain, you know, like the nightmare client, they're, they're, they're frustrating and, and stressful in the moment. But 
if you look back, they're gold because they're the people who help you really see who your perfect client is and what you love about your client. So you can find more of those. And until you had one that did your head in, <laughs> you're not going to know. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? It's around X, but you know, when I think of the people that have given me client complaints and, and the first, the first client complaint that I ever had, um, I think what it brought out in me, which I didn't see for many years, actually, was my um, tendency to want to rescue or people please. So what it started to really, I mean, what it actually does is, yeah, for sure, it can help us to identify who we love working with. and But I see that used as an excuse sometimes by people not to actually look at some of the deeper issues that are going on as to why we're even choosing those people in the first place to go there. It's like it gives you the practical to deal with the, the more practical side of nuance and niching but it also gives you an opportunity to face yourself because business for me is has been the biggest personal growth journey that I've ever had I couldn't have taken a personal development course that that would give me what actually just trying to run a business every day is is actually teaching me um so the one thing I, it, well, I have to say is it, I still get it at times, but it, it takes me years to see it. But it took me years to be truly, truly aware of it to the place where I was really ready to be done with it and not blame myself for it or blame the client for it was this place around picking people that I could rescue. So are you picking clients that that that, that you feel as if almost, again, a bit like the plan B career, you're almost living vicariously to, to help these clients we see this often with life coaches or mindset coaches they've maybe taken a course themselves and they want to go and help other people to um you know to overcome their mindset issues but you've got to think about the business that you're trying to build in in totality um and then many many times it's it's absolutely fine if you know where your lane is um, and you're prepared to actually work with clients and work with yourself to work out where your real skill sets are and the solutions that you can really give to people at different levels. But I was a rescuer and I had been brought up to be a fixer and a people pleaser. And when you couple that with the ability to sell, you can bring, you can bring on a whole host of people that you don't even realize that you have been the wrong client until you're right in the middle of it and you realize you hate what you're doing and you wish you'd never taken them on or they have an expectation of what they wanted from you um, and they can't get it so all these kind of things and even my communication even my leadership even what I say in a group call and, and how I work with people and facilitate things in a group that has had to be challenged with different levels of, of what to say and what to say. It's like it has been the personal growth journey of the century for me um, mm. to, to actually see how I'm operating. There's with... so much in there, though. You know, yeah. there's so much in there because there's a part of, you know, if a client complains, you know, well, there's the part of, OK, how do you deal with being attacked when you don't think they have a point? <laughs> yeah. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you detach your own sense of value or how confident you are in your services and what you offer? How can you detach them? How can you not get, uh, you know, or like feel personally attacked? Like that's that's a big one, right? Mm -hmm. So, but then also the other part, what you alluded to is like, how do you, you know, what do you, what do you learn from it when they do actually have a point? 
you know, so because it'll help you be more selective in the beginning. It might lead you to restructuring your offer. It might lead you to change the way you operate and serve people. So there's like so many learning opportunities in so many, uh, on so many different levels and no course, no book can teach you that. You need the client complaint to learn all of that. You do. And if, if you know, many people before they set up their own business, they'll have worked in various roles in various jobs from customer service through to, to back end. And you will have had a customer complaint to the company that you work for. I um, used to sell houses, still love property, but I used to be on these development sites when it was a porter cabin and people loved you when you signed them up to buy their house. But by the fact that you were the point of call for the complaint because the uh, sales director wanted her bonus. So she got everybody to to complete before even the, the pathway was dry of mud. And you were the first call to that. And the most important part of that customer service was validating the person's complaint and not trying to argue with it because people want to be heard. They're frustrated. They're fed up, whether they're whether they've got a point or where they haven't. I bet you everybody listening to this has had some level of experience of working for another company where you have a procedure for actually handling people that are unhappy. And, and working out, you know, is it the company's bad process? Is it the the, the people somewhere else and higher up that are, um, you know, creating a problem for other people in the organisation? And Or is it the unrealistic expectations of, of the person and the lack of and communication? And where do they come from, right? On? Yeah, mm. absolutely. So I think we have to, we can borrow uh, understanding from all of the previous careers and jobs that we've done in order to understand some processes around this to, as you say, detach ourselves from it. But you're going to probably end up having some level of customer that either you don't really want again or who doesn't get the results from you. And rather than avoid that, I would say dive straight head on into it because you're not going to really truly understand the nuance of this or where your own stuff is showing up versus the processes that you do or don't have in place to qualify the right people. That's one of the most essential parts to working out what type of business and client base are going to get the best from you and you from them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, this is going to this is going to be a, a juicy one, everybody. So the next one is you've got to have fail at selling something. Now, one of the things that came up yesterday in our sales and strategy session was somebody, one of our members, had uh, got some interest. Somebody was actually interested in buying from her. So her question was around: How do I now um, send something to this person so that it influences them? to buy, you know, almost like what's the perfect way that I can put anything together so that they will automatically say yes at the end of it. And this is, and the procrastination and the fear, because if I get it wrong, they won't buy. And so actually the thing that we had to do was go, you have no control. Like you can do a certain amount of things to convey the value of it, but you actually have no real uh, and you should have no real end decision on whether they buy or not. I'll say that categorically because we cannot manipulate people into buying so that we feel better. You know, you probably experienced some of that somewhere along the line. But it was to actually detach again, detaching from the outcome. But I think you have to 
start to you don't really understand what your audience is what or even start to listen to the marketplace until you've tried something that doesn't sell and then you have to kind of step back and go well where did I get that wrong and I think it's again it's this big opportunity to actually get better at doing it right because um there's something that I, I got to learn in myself like like well when I transitioned away from my sewing business the problem when it's too easy is that you actually um overestimate and badly judge your level of capabilities and that gets you in all kinds of trouble right when when i had my sewing business right and you know i made flamenco costumes like they're visually they're, they're, they're eye candy right and they get shown on stages so basically the way i got clients was because somebody would wear a dress i made and somebody else would go oh my god i love your dress where'd you get that right and ta-ta new client came so i actually thought <laughs> when i moved away from the sewing business well well I'm good on the, sewing, on the selling front. I'm fine. I've got that bit worked out. I have like a massive, like basically anybody who comes to me walks away. Like there's an order every time somebody comes to me. I've got like 100% <laughs> conversion rate. Like I'm a massive machine on the sales front, right? <laughs> and then when, so when I then transitioned away, I got the, because also the part I had worked out was that detachment. Like if somebody came and says, oh, but it's too expensive. Like I would no longer get upset about like, oh my God, you don't value my work. So I figured that bit out, right? So I totally thought, yeah, you know, like this whole people talk about coaches struggle selling. Nah, I'm good on that front. I'm so hot selling, right? <laughs> Until I tried to sell, like I tried to sign up clients and found, ooh, I actually have no idea. Because in the sewing business, somebody else had always done the selling for me by the time they came to me they were already sold the other person the dog my previous client had done the selling for me i never had to explain the value i never had to deal with objections because they also they came you know dance talk they already knew how long it was going to take they already knew how how it worked they already knew how much it was going to cost so I literally got no object objection. And that wasn't because I was so hot selling. It was because somebody else had actually done the selling for me. And I really, really struggled because I found like, oh, actually, I don't have like not a fraction of the skills I thought I had. So the gift of not being able to sell is what allows you to actually look like, wait, so what am I missing here? Now I can go and fill the gap. Now I can go and learn how to do what I need to do, you know. And if you never get that experience, you run around, you know, delusional until you fall and then the fall might be really quite, quite steep and painful. You know, it totally reminds me of um, in my plan B business, as it were, my first business. And I, like my vocal coaching business was very much a plan A that turned into a plan B business. I started to recognize that I needed to go to one to many if I was going to get a business model that I could eventually walk away from. But when you're the specialist and you've spent all those years honing those skills, I think I remember trying to start an, an online singing academy at one point. And yet I didn't know how to get out of the delivery part of it. So I'd made another hamster wheel. In fact, it was failing, you know, so sometimes it's like in, in lots of different manner. And I just couldn't understand the difference. Now, roll on a few years time um, and we're building the visible club. 
and I'm starting to understand, you know, the difference of where your skill comes in and where it doesn't, etc. And how to actually work with one to many people as opposed to one to one. And you do start to understand and it's into our next point, which is you have to get overwhelmed and you have to fail at this thing that you're trying to do everything for, or you have to get to the place of overwhelm. And it's one of the, the most important pieces. You have to drop the ball. Um, and so, it, and that can obviously lead to everything from not selling things properly or having a client complaint or just getting or so selling too much. Yeah, you know. selling too much. Or just getting so overwhelmed with all of the day-to-day -to -day doings that, you know, two hands and 24 hours that one person can actually do especially if you've got you know kids at home or elderly parents or you've got some health issues or you're challenged and you you've got a big learning curve in terms of the online world about how you put that together and especially if you have a couple of visibility hangovers at the same time and it just feels as if you want to go and hide under a duvet day um these things about overwhelm and when somebody said to me angela overwhelm is an opportunity to grow I hadn't seen it at that level. To me, overwhelm was telling, it was telling the story that I didn't have capacity, I wasn't capable. And I had a story running through me that I wasn't capable. And every time I had more added to my plate, it this almost like it played a cassette in my head, for those of you who are old enough to remember those, but it played a cassette in my head that went, see, that proves that you can't do this at a bigger level. C, that proves you're not capable. C, proves you can't cope. And that story about not coping around overwhelm really sabotaged me making progress and getting help and asking for help or the right kind of systems and processes and looking at the deeper area of routine and habits and things that were helping or not and just slowing down to work out what that build was. It wasn't until I could challenge that narrative in my head and not see overwhelm as a reason to step back, but actually a reason to step forward that I actually it kept being the thing that I failed on for such a, a while. I could handle client complaints. I could handle not selling things. I understood that in the marketplace. But I really got stuck personally around what I thought was my capacity to cope mm. with more. <laughs> this is a beautiful example for, you know, what we were talking about, that building a business is like this massive crash course in personal growth, because each of these things, I think everybody comes across them at some point, and everybody, like the lesson you draw from it is very closely linked to, you know, your belief system and what your backstory and, you know, because my, my lessons for overwhelm or, or the way I see it is, is, it's like, it was huge, massive, like actually, like the biggest breakthrough I'd had in the biggest moment of overwhelm. And it was the point for me where I was like done with it. Like I got to the breaking point and that helped me, that gave me the courage to actually say no to the stuff that I'd been saying yes to because I didn't think I had an option. You know, because the whole, the whole, kind of experience of burnout and overwhelm that I had in my sewing business was because I didn't charge enough. So I had to take on a lot, a lot of work to pump out to just get to the end of the month. Like if I think back, like the amount of dresses I made to just get to the end of the month, it's just ridiculous. And I didn't think there was a way out. I was 
100% convinced that I couldn't charge more. I couldn't say no when people wanted something by a certain date, right? So, and it took the overwhelm. It took the, the situation where I really thought, look, I'm done with this. Like, this is like, this has pushed me over the edge now. And it gave me the courage because I kind of then no longer cared. It was like that moment when I was, you know what, this is what it is. I don't want it. And that was the part where I'm like, okay, now I no longer care if they all kind of not come back and if I end up losing the whole thing, um, I don't care, right? And that gave me the courage to then say no to stuff. And that's that was the opportunity for me to learn that people didn't actually get upset and that nothing happened. <laughs> that people, in fact, were most of the time were grateful and thanked me for communicating. <laughs> so it was like this massive, you know, it helped the people pleaser in me see that no is an acceptable answer you know and it doesn't like and it is a complete sentence and that was like this massive massive learning for me and I wouldn't have ever had that if and I, I, I never had it before I moved to Spain where people are a little bit more like I want this now everybody else was always so considerate it never came to that point of overwhelm you know so it was like yeah biggest gift ever in a different way from yours right Exactly. I was just going to say is yours was the power of no yeah. with that. Mine was oddly the power of yes, because yeah. it was about reaching more of my potential in the way that I really wanted to. And it came out more like this is being a creative person and being somebody that's incredibly intuitive and works incredibly intuitively with people. Um, I had almost bought into the story that being a creative meant living in chaos. Um, and I almost was proud of it. I think I used to say I was never put on this earth to be domestic. And, and that's probably true. However, I think I was using it as a, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm actually not going to show this, share this podcast with my husband in any way, shape or form, because there'll be, you know, the laundry will become mine again or something. But it's that in reality, what I was doing was, um, kind of you know that that part of you that goes no I don't want to be systemized I don't want to have routine I just go with the flow and really sometimes that's a, a that can be um, a, a little bit of a smokescreen for evolving into the business that you really can and need and want to so that you are not overwhelmed which means that there will have to be some systems there will have to be some automation there probably will have to be some delegation but you're not going to know that until you actually say yes to the to to letting go of chaos. So it was a no, but it was also a yes. It was a yes to actually really letting go of um, the way of behavior that almost uh, culturally goes along with being a creative person. Like you're just you're just chaotic. You know, you're um, I'm just a creative. I'm because I'm multi-passionate means that I'm, you know, sort of scattered and all over the place and I think it's an invitation it was certainly for me a bit like you I was like done with it I, and I think it just crept on me slowly so don't try and beat yourself up about this but it crept on me slowly that the thing that I truly wanted to build required me to evolve and to look at some of those habits and to look at some of the way that I was doing things and showing up because there was just no way I could serve more customers. There was just no way that I could actually sell more, you know, things as well without having things in a more um, cohesive manner. 
And that, again, it pulled on my personal side. It pulled on my belief systems. And it was a it, in order to say yes to the thing that I want, my plan A, as it were, as we talked about before, it meant that it shone the light on the areas that just no longer served me uh, at, the, at the same time. Yeah, I think it's like we need those experiences. Yeah. You know, and there's, that's the thing, like reading about it and listening to somebody else uh, share their story is helpful, but it's not enough. I, you have to make your own. You know, it's like you're not going to know what chocolate tastes like until you take a bite. Totally. Well, that's a good place to stop. We could probably do with a cup of tea and a bar of chocolate. <laughs> just, to, just to round this off for you, um, wherever you are right now, Look at it. Look at the things. Are you avoiding? What are you avoiding? Are you avoiding some of these areas of failure? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you searching for blog posts that say overcome overwhelm? And actually, really, what I would love you to, to do is embrace it. Embrace the overwhelm and look at the gift that's on the inside. Embrace the failure of not selling things or, um, or, or even being scared to even try in the first place or selling to the wrong people. Embrace that and see what it's really trying to point you to. And when people are more critical or if you've had a compli client complaint or you've got somebody that you're working with that you really, you know that they're not the right fit for you long term, let that be the teacher for you with the most kind and compassionate gift wrapped up in a bow for you. And until next time, take care. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Visible Coaches podcast. If you've ever felt the pressure to market yourself in ways that don't align with your true nature, this podcast is your sanctuary. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, make sure to subscribe to the Visible Coaches podcast on your favorite platform. And we would really be grateful if you could leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us reach more introverted coaches like you. Visit thevisiblecoachespodcast.com now. That's thevisiblecoachespodcast.com. Let's continue to embrace our introverted strength, create meaningful connections, make waves in the coaching world. Until next time.